I certainly remember thinking that Elvis was coming there. And I remember like, as I was saying it, realizing what I was saying, but I couldn't stop the train wreck that was coming out of my mouth. I feel like that's probably not the first time. Oh, what? That's why we have an entire podcast. Exactly. Get out of my room. Hey, sisters. Hey, sisters. This is Jesse and Gretchen. And we are coming to you from your favorite podcast, by Sisters. Or Sisters. No, for everyone, by Sisters. About Sisters. That was it. That's it. That's there you go. We'll get it. We nailed it like two times in a row and then we kept messing it up. Oh man. So how has your week been, sister? It's been pretty good. Um, it's been kind of chaotic, but it's good. We started building, it's my first time designing a set for anything for theater since like undergrad. So we're talking like 2002. Um, hey, I took a stagecraft class in undergrad. So if you need me to build you some joints you like should a tiny little piece of wood I can't actually do like an entire big thing but I could I could put together some some pretty good joints for you well practically the whole thing it's a very simple set because it's only one permanent structure the rest of the set moves around the whole time so it's these big panels of walls are you doing him no no oh Hamilton like just thinking about Hamilton doesn't fit in our space so that's kind of it. That's really the most exciting thing that's happened in my life. How about you? That's um, that's interesting. Yeah, it is. I'm just I'm just going through life. I'm about to start teaching again at a university. I guess I can say Texas A&M. I don't think anyone really cares. But I mean, I think we've talked about your history with Texas A&M before on here. Yeah. But no, I'm really excited. But I also like not really sure if I'm hired. Like. My applications completed and accept, accepted. I was approved in like October. I have no access to anything on the the internet, as you put it earlier. So yeah, I don't really know. I'll just show up on the first day and be like, hey, who wants to have some fun? Because that's what everybody wants their college professor to say and look super unprepared. <clears throat> no, you will. They, they assume you're prepared. That's the thing. Like when I, when I taught, <laughs> That's the sad, the wrong thing for an hour, (laughs) knowing like the behind the scenes of what actually goes on makes me just question my entire education, but that's fine. When I started at Virginia tech, I didn't get access to my email for like 30 days and everybody was just, they were emailing my boss and he would print it out and hand it to me. So, you know, Langrate universities. Yeah. Well, I'm surprised that you brought this up, this story up. You, f- you found the story though. You put it in our spreadsheet. Oh, good job. As a mention. Good job, Gretchen. Good job, past self. Yeah. Well, well they're also in our spreadsheet, like weird fonts. And like this one in particular was like size 28 font. It times New Roman. It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen, but it's actually a good story. It's a tragic story, but it's a good story. Yeah. Um. Also, I was kind of looking through, so you guys know that, you know, we usually, one of us takes control of the notes. Um, and there's like some, some extra kind of cool information that I, you might not even know. I might not know. Do you, did you make your own set of notes? Because I have, okay. Are you looking at the notes that I made? 
Yeah. And I was like on the go all day trying to catch up. So I was watching things on YouTube about it. Um, yeah. So some of the things on YouTube though, I have found are sensational and not true at all, because that's a problem with this case is that it was very sensationalized. Okay. Um, but it's the story of the Grimes sisters, Patricia or Petey, as they called her and Barbara, Patricia being the younger and Barbara being the older. Um, in Chicago in 1956 slash 57. Um, so this is their story. Um, it's important to note that they loved Elvis Presley and that comes up several, several times, but on December 28th, 1956, they went to the movie theater to watch love me tender for the 11th time which just makes me laugh because I feel like if Gretchen and I could have walked to a movie theater, we would have done that with at least one movie in our youth. And mom at first told them, Loretta, their mom at first told them that they couldn't go because they'd gotten home late the night before, but then she gave in. Like, I don't know if you noticed this, but like several accounts made sure to tell us that they had tuna fish salad for dinner. I actually did not know that before I went into this. Okay. Well, there were like five different articles I read that were like, and they had tuna fish salad for dinner. I'm just like, oh, okay. That was something that the mom reported on the police report. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And they were supposed to come straight home after the movie. And they had plans the next day for PD Patricia's birthday party. And that's important because they didn't make it home from the, from go. People are assuming these teenage girls, uh, Patricia was like 13 and Barbara was 15, I think. And from go, people were like, oh, they just ran away or, oh, they just, they're just go somewhere else. They'll come home eventually. But mom, Loretta did not feel, she didn't, she never felt like that was the case. And the fact that they had already made plans the next day to hang out with friends for Petey's birthday, I think like teenagers are, are flighty, but they're not that flighty. So uh, immediately they start asking people, did you see the girls? And that's when, you know, <coughs> It becomes nothing but myth. One of their school friends definitely saw them getting popcorn after the movie, but there was a second movie. So maybe they planned to stay. They had enough money for double feature tickets when they left the house. People, there's accounts of Gretchen chime in any time now. I feel like I'm just talking. There's many accounts of the girls being outside on the street, a dark car pulling up beside them. Some people identified like a Mercury or a Buick. Two people, actually, Gertrude Kovac and Stella Boss, heard a girl screaming from inside a car around midnight when they were outside walking. Um, one of them was like they were like in their yard. The other one was outside on the street, but they heard screaming from a vehicle. It's important to note, like one thing that you didn't say at the beginning, this is yeah. so this is not in like a rural town where and that does play play a difference in like you would be asking, well, why didn't they do something about it? So this is, this is in Chicago. This isn't just in like, I feel like a lot of these kind of stories are in the ones that have been sensationalized, like smaller towns, but it's such a crazy thing. Yeah. But a big city. I mean, you know, at the time, this is a big city. Well, and in the 1950s, there was also a lot of like mafia movement in Chicago. So you don't go out individually investigate these type of things. You some, and you usually, like you said, you don't report them. Yeah, there's just a lot of, a lot of after the fact, like, oh, why didn't you say something? So I think the fact that this is in a big city needs to be very prevalent in this part of the story. 
Right. And it's winter. So every, all of these accounts yeah. are happening under streetlights and girls that match the description. How many brunette girls can match this description? Talking to this guy, we, you know, I picked him up at the bus. So the, there was a bus driver that said, yeah, I picked him up at the theater on Archer Avenue around 1115. And I don't remember where I dropped them off, but was it even these girls or are they matching part of the faceless masses to these girls? Um, school friends. Yes, absolutely. School friends usually recognize their friends. Um, so Loretta got worried, which we also have to note that they're, 26 year old sister had died in 1954. We don't, I couldn't find out how I didn't really deep dive that though. Um, so Loretta has already lost one child. Her, she divorced their dad, Joseph in 1951. So she's had, a, she's had a time already. So she's worried about her girls, sends the older kids to wait for them at the bus stop and they don't get off the bus. So of course, everybody's saying, oh, they ran away to Memphis. And this is where like some accounts say, oh, they went to Graceland. Elvis didn't own Graceland then. So I was wondering what Memphis rumor, how I didn't know how, how did I get started? Well, that's Elvis's hometown. And they, they had posters Uh of Elvis in their room. Yeah. So, and Graceland's like right there, but I've been to Graceland. I, I have Graceland. not. I've been to Little Graceland. It is a very much a letdown. I'll just really? Because I mean, I mean, it was like massive and very cool for the time, but now it just seems kind of like everything seems small. Even the living room, it just seems small. Yeah, it's ornate and there's lots of stuff, but I don't, okay, it's not a letdown. It's just very much not what you would expect from walking to a, if you would have had an Elvis type figure now, totally different ball game of what, where they would have lived. Gotcha. So in my head, it's the Biltmore estate, except mid-century modern. Is that not the way? No. no. Darn. I mean, it's, it's fine. It's cool. It's got a lot of like property, right? But the yeah. house itself is not, not as. It's average. Yeah. There's no like grand rooms. Like my living room is, has, is bigger with the ceilings higher than his living huh. room. Yeah. I wouldn't expect that. Yeah. I wouldn't but, and I, I could be like wrong. <laughs> so even though now I'm on record for saying like my house is better than Graceland, but <laughs> I, I was, it was like, it was just wasn't what I thought it was. And a lot of it though, is like, you can go. Oh, I would find that fun. I think. Yeah. I like seeing all of Elvis's outfits and stuff. That was neat. It's definitely Have you been to it. little Graceland here in Roanoke. No, I haven't. Oh, next time you come, I'll take you over there. Someone has built Graceland in their yard. Oh, that's um, weird. Oh, I know a place you have been that you could like kind of feel the same way about. Graceland is kind of like the Alamo. Okay. I know exactly how you felt. <laughs> you build it up in your mind and then you like are walking past Ripley's, believe it or not. And if you don't look quickly to the right, you're going to miss the Alamo. Yep. That sounds about right. Okay. Now I know exactly how you felt. Yeah. Um, so people start looking for these girls. And to this day, this is one of the largest investigations um, as far as manpower goes in Chicago metro area, um, security guards said there was a security guard that said that he um, saw them on the morning of December 29th, about 12 hours after they left the theater. And there was someone who said that they saw them like that afternoon walking westward on Archer Avenue. Uh, another class, a, a few classmates said that they saw them like, oh yeah, we saw Barbara and Patricia doing this thing. Um, but still people kept saying, oh, they went to Memphis to the point where there were sightings, supposed sightings 
in Tennessee. Yes, we saw them in Tennessee. Oh, we saw them, you know, the, and the, there's also like they were a couple different sightings with men that resembled Elvis. But during it's this, weird. what? That's just yeah. Weird. Yeah. Like, like maybe this guy looked so much like Elvis. They, it's um, starting to remind me of after Elvis's death, the amount of sightings. Ooh, of true. Elvis. I saw Elvis. I'm sure you did. In the Mississippi Welcome Center doing a concert. You don't remember that? No. There was some Elvis impersonator that was going to be doing a concert nearby. But what it boiled down to, probably because mom gave me Benadryl on trips. I just found out recently as an adult. I read the sign and it said that Elvis was going to appear in person at the Mississippi Welcome Center. When it in fact was, you know, stop by the Beau Rivage and watch this Elvis impersonator. But wait, didn't you... Why would you believe that Elvis was actually coming to the Welcome Center? As we now know, probably the influence of Benadryl. But I said something about Elvis was singing at the... I'm surprised you don't remember this because you guys laughed at me for about four hours of that trip for saying oh, Elvis was playing in Mississippi. memory that you have. I we don't have that kind of memory. What like do you mean? Do not have that kind of memory like you do. Like you remember tiny little details. Oh, yeah, you're right. Um, one One thing of note... I keep saying of note, that's like the phrase of the day. Um, So in the early hours of January 14th, 1957, the parents. is your birthday, but not that year, clearly. No, I was born the year after. Um, If I want to wish Jesse happy birthday, I think this is going to be released close to your birthday, right? It will be released the The Tuesday before my birthday. Yeah. Um, So in the early hours of my pre-birthday. One of the classmates of Patricia got two phone calls. Um, the the first one was silent. So, so yeah. So a girl who, she, okay. it, was, it was a home phone, right? Yes. Got you. Okay. Um, so the first time the phone rang silence on the other end. Um, second time, um, and the, uh, as described by the classmate's mother, a frightened and depressed young female voice asked, is that you, Sandra? Is Sandra there? And before ma- before her mom could get her to the phone, could get the classmates, Sandra, to the phone, the person had hung up. Dude, okay. If someone called, like, if I got a weird, like, someone sounded scared on the other end. They're like, is that Sandra? I wouldn't be like, hold on, let me get Sandra. I might be like, say pizza if you're in trouble. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? That's what I was wondering about that whole account. Hold on. Um, just sure. Let me go get her for you. Right. And honestly, like this is January 14th. This is her daughter's classmate. They know she's missing. They know she's missing. Right. Which is really, really weird. They've gotten anonymous letters. A- Ann Landers, dear Ann. For like two weeks at, at this point. Right. Well, a little, okay. That's right. They've. On top of the timeline here, like okay, so that happened December 28th, and now we're all the way out until the 14th, right? And all these people are coming forward with these things that are happening now. It's not like, oh, I remember this from two weeks ago, it's I got this phone call and I called the investigators, but again, like that phone call bothers me just like at my core because if somebody called me and sounded frightened and asked for my kid, which I don't have kids, but like if somebody called me frightened and asked for my kid, I would. I would worry about that person. A, if you are not okay, say thank you. Say Sandra's name again. Or say thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And then that would also make me worry about my child because now if this person is in a place where they can't speak freely, that person has my phone number and my kid's name. And yeah, there's a lot. Okay. So here's one thing, all these people that come out with this information, they're not coming out with it in real time. Correct. Like this is all stuff they found out after the incident The not, not necessarily these girls died. I don't think we need to like try. Right, 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 right. But I think, didn't they all come out after? No, not necessarily. So like this report from, um, Sandra's mom was real time. Okay. Okay. Now the, there's also people who come out and say, um, oh, you know, I saw them outside like this one, this anonymous letter that was sent to Ann Landers that says outside the show, we all got to talking and exchange phone numbers. When we got to the street where we turned off, we said goodbye and ran across the street. A man about 22 or 25 was talking to the girls. He pushed Barbara in the back seat of the car and Pat into the front seat. This is like by memory. So it's very weird. And an anonymous letter to not to the investigators, but to Ann Landers. Yeah. And this, have you talked already about the uh, Elvis thing? No. Would you like to cover that? That, well, I just thought it was really cool that, um, a cool, but also really sad because like Elvis actually gave an appeal. I was trying to find the date of this, my notes, January 19th. Okay. So, um, Elvis actually went on the radio, right? Oh, television mm-hmm. radio and did an appeal for this. Well, it was a, it, so I searched desperately for his actual broadcast. He didn't say it. it he, he wrote the letter to be read. Oh, if you are good Elvis Presley fans, you'll go home and ease your mother's worries, which though this actually like made me kind of creeped out because of the timeline to when their bodies were discovered and how close to this, this is, Mm -hmm. that is kind of like, this could have run afoul because of that. Yeah. So, but that's just my speculating, obviously. And that letter to Ann Landers came after that broadcast. It was, it was delivered after that broadcast that, oh, we saw this big thing. So it could have been somebody looking for like fame and fortune. And I wouldn't do it anonymously if I was looking for that, Mm -hmm. but, but that also kind of shows us how small the world's mindset was like Mm -hmm. a celebrity coming forward because two of his fans are missing. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's kind of cool. Um, I think it's really cool. Yeah. I mean, it almost makes me sad for where we are right now, but it is cool. Um, yeah. Okay. So I think we're at the point now where we can talk about their bodies. Right. Yeah. So Gretchen did mention that they did die, which I don't think, I mean, if that's a surprise, I'm sorry, but this is a very old case and <laughs> it is, it's a, it's still cold, but it's and old. We're covering murders okay so this is by the way speaking of the fact that it's so cold because we are going to talk there's there's more to it it's not like womp womp dead cold there's some really cool stuff that cool and not cool but interesting um, there are some really i told you i kind of was watching youtube and you kind of poo-pooed it there are some detectives who are still working on this who have done videos like as recently as a month ago because they're evidence that's even come out like a month ago. So this is not just a cold case. This is still actively worked on. Right. And there's a letter from Loretta that still hangs in the Chicago, Chicago PD. Um, I think it's like in the homicide department where, yeah. And she, it's a letter that says, don't forget my daughters. Yeah. And never stop working on this case. And she was also kind of, um, 
not just for her case, but as you'll find out pretty soon, for everything around the case, she wanted justice, not just, you know, you hear about the people who wanted someone to hang the hat on that's like, okay, I feel better because you've been in prison. She wanted true justice um, yes. at a time when that was harder to get than it is these days. Not that it's easy to get these days. Don't get me started on our prison. Right. System. But. <laughs> but the, the system was. They could put people away for a lot less because they didn't have the technology, you know? Right. Yeah. That's what I was trying to say, but you did it much better than I did. Um, so awesome. when the body, the bodies were found by the side of the road, they were both naked, um, but they were found on January 22nd and they were, they were most accounts say the frozen body, whether they were frozen, frozen, we don't know, but it definitely, the snow definitely delayed the discovery. And the police also really, really poorly handled the entire scene. Like they did not go into it, you know, law and order SVU style. They straight up just tromp stomped all into that. Yeah. Yeah. And you can see pictures from the investigation and it's like every, every Tom, Dick and Harry has their car parked on the side of the road and they're all tromping through the woods, picking up what they find, turning things over. Um, I don't think that it was a very clean crime scene investigation. Um, so interesting that um there's the evidence of all this other stuff and they basically still got written off as like freezing to death secondary shock like shock and exposure yeah from being out in the elements naked because that was probably what they were going for right exactly um if clothes were nearby they were not discovered or they were scooped up and not cataloged mm -hmm. but um they can't they couldn't settle on and so the coroner's jury being a group of coroners actually processed this and they couldn't agree on a cause of death. That's why they went to secondary shock due to exposure to the element that they froze to death was what they, on the night they disappeared. That was what they said. And these, Oh, well, Patricia's Patricia's just says unknown. I said, the only death certificate well, I saw was Patricia's They like on the night they disappeared, which is crazy because there's evidence of strangulation um, there's puncture wounds, there's sexual assault. Yep. Like you name it. It's there's evidence of it. <laughs> right. And Harry, like, even just at least say like likely manslaughter. <laughs> right. And the, the, but the chief investigator, <clears throat> right. The coroner's chief investigator publicly disagreed with what was written on the death certificates and what was what was published. Now, this was also, again, with, with mafia and all that stuff going on in Chicago, this was a very sensational media. And then, I mean, anybody that watches a movie about the 1950s, you know, it's sensational media, sensational newspapers. This is the crime that people say lost Chicago's innocence. Never Greece mind. Is, what? This is the word, man. Grease is the word. It's that's my fifties movie that I immediately thought of. My notes machine is dead. Okay. Well, I'm in charge of the notes now. Not the notes in my head. So let's get into some suspects. Yes. Um, Eddie Bedwell is the first guy that was suspected. Um, and his, are you familiar with his investigation? Like his interrogation, Gretchen? Um, not super familiar with the interrogation. I know he had, it was basically like a, a forced testimony kind of thing. And I know that the mom was super against it. Like 
there's video of her going up to his mom at the trial saying, we don't believe he did it. Right. At the saying that. And, um, and she wanted him to say it in front of like a bunch of people to the family. Loretta wanted Eddie to say it to the family because everyone believed it was a coerced statement. Yeah. Um, he was, he was told, so he was, what, what they referred to him as was semi-literate. Right. Which yeah, means that he had. There was some intellectual. Delay. Delays. Yeah. Something going up. on there. Um, but the, he would wash dishes at a couple restaurants and one of the, the restaurants where he worked, the owner said that they saw him with the Grimes sisters and people say that because he was tall and dark haired and looked like Elvis, he obviously did it. Also, he didn't look very much like Elvis. He did not. <laughs> if you look up Eddie Bedwell, he did not look like Elvis. Um, he poor guy though. Like everything, he looks really confused and made me feel sorry for him. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so he was charged on January 27th and signed a 14 page confession after being held in a hotel room and interrogated for three days and not being allowed to sleep for three days while being interrogated. And as we all know, the police are allowed to lie to you. They're allowed to manipulate you. They're allowed to get a confession if they, if they need to. Um, so he was told that he'd be released after he signed that statement and of course he wasn't released. Um, so he recanted everything and did. Um, and he, that was, was at like basically his trial when right. he recanted, because that's when Loretta, the mom said, I want him to say it to me because she did not believe it at all, which I love her. Like, I think she's such an advocate for justice at the time. Like a lot of women would have been like, yes, you think he did it. Okay. He did it. And I'm going to be mad about it. That's yeah. what I mean like such an advocate for true justice, not just blame. Right. Um, he, he was released after that. Um, but as always, things don't ever go back to the way they were before. Um, but that's kind of where we lose track of him. There was also a 17 year old Max Fleeg flag flag. It's Fleeg, I think, because Fleeg. there's some of the Um, they, he was, protected from being investigated the same way that um that that eddie was eddie bedwell because he was 17 otherwise they might have interrogated him the same way um he confessed allegedly on an unofficial polygraph test but there's no like record of that other than the cops saying so um, but they couldn't charge him because they had zero evidence um they said that he confessed to kidnapping and murdering the Grimes sisters, but it's only their word. They have nothing from his mouth. Then there was a psychic who described the scene. He described a park near where the bodies were found. Hmm. And going oh. on that, he what he became a suspect because his handwriting also matched um, one of the various false ransom notes. So this whole time, Loretta is getting false ransom notes. She's getting letters from people in support, but she's also getting letters from people telling her she's a terrible mother. So, and some of these false ransom notes, apparently the handwriting on one matched Walter Krantz's handwriting enough and that he knew about a park near where the bodies were found. Therefore, this Looney Tune tell everybody. I mean, he might've been a psychic, who knows? But his whole claim to fame was that he was a psychic and he was going to work the case with the cops. But 
nothing actually probably really was and they're just like oh then you're guilty he's like no no that that's essentially what happened what happened they're like no right but it like talk about an investigation circus yeah so those were the primary suspects at the time did you hear a bit of a going back did you hear about how the bodies were identified no like the sister i think oh right teresa but you know she like lied to her mom about him no this isn't like super integral to the story but i thought it was pretty kind of sad um the sister had to go identify the bodies and the mom asked about them like what Mm -hmm. they looked and she said oh they were so beautiful blah 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 because they didn't have an open casket obviously um there's some really sad pictures from the funeral if you want to go cry for a while yeah there but, are um, but like like to her mom's dying day she never said anything about like everything that was visible because apparently it was not like they were in like body bat like do anything to the bodies oh i did know that they just kind of like there were body bags like in the coffin even oh wow unless <laughs> i just totally misheard the whole story but it kind of stood out to me. Well, this whole thing seems like it's, I don't know. It feels like it, it was run by toddlers in trench coats. Yeah. It's very weird. It's, it is very weird. And like their funeral also had like a public component, I think too. It did. It did a public wake. Yeah. Um, but this, I mean, we also have to remember that people love a spectacle just in general, people love tragedy and people love a spectacle. That's why, you know, it, it, and it's just, it's a lot. So there was one other well, suspect. Funerals that were like that as well. Like tragic deaths that everyone yeah. got involved. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because just a few, you know, just one year earlier, a year yeah. and some change. And, and there was, there were three boys who were murdered, who were found dumped right. beside the road, nude, and they had gone missing after going to a movie. Not the same theater, but still in Chicago. Um, so from day one, the court of public opinion said, could this be the same person that killed the Schusler and Petersons? Um, two of them were the Schusler brothers and then their friend whose last name was Peterson. Um, could this be the same person? And the police chief or the, or the chief investigator, I'm not sure which said on TV. Yes, there are similarities between the two cases. But the other case, the Schusler brother case, was cold until 1995. Yeah, but you know how they found that guy because he'd, um, he was connected. Was like admitting it a lot at work. Right, like, right. He was talking say, about if you don't do this, I'm gonna like mess you up. Like I killed those and like how like I what? killed the well no his whole thing he, oh yeah like I killed the boys but there's also he was he connected Schusler or whatever he right. Like, how in the world do people think? So there was like this big, there's this big horse community scandal. This guy was a rancher and there's a huge horse community scandal because just a few years before the boys were killed, the inheritor of the, you know, Brock's candies, B-R-A-C-H, the daughter who was supposed to be like, she was the heiress of that entire thing. She was murdered because of some horse thing, because people were killing high dollar horses for insurance money. So he was, he was connected with that too. So that's why he initially became a person of interest. And then everybody at work is saying, oh yeah, he's a person of interest because he's bragging about murdering these kids. And then, you know, 1995, I guess he was tired and old and just done. So he's just talking about all this stuff. 
but they never, they never thought to ask him about the, the Grimes sisters. Um, yeah. so he was, so essentially Kenneth Hansen, they did. I mean, he could have been, he could have been, um, the culprit, but we don't know. And then there's, and there's one other person that nowadays, a, a, so retired detective Ray Johnson, who was with West Chicago police department, he's talked about the connection with Charles Melquist because in 1957, um, w- around the time that this is happening and the investigation is happening with the girls, um, Loretta Grimes got a call and said that he was the one who undressed her daughters. And then 18 months later, she got another call from somebody with a similar voice who said he got away with another one. And then they find Bonnie Lee Scott's body in similar condition. And there's no other person other than Melquist who can be charged with that crime with Bonnie Lee Scott. Okay. Here's something I was looking at though, that I was trying to, um, trying to figure out what, okay. So recently, like this November recently, mm-hmm. that guy Hanson, right. so they, so they have his DNA in a database now. Yep. and in two, in this November, cause this is why like, there's a ton of recent stuff on this. They were talking about, um, exhuming one of the, uh, I guess it would have been Barbara. It's Barbara. Yeah. One of the bodies. Um, but yeah, I was, I was trying to figure out, I was like, why? So they're, they really, I think whoever's actively working on it now kind of wants to pin it on Hanson pretty badly. Well, I think Johnson's still working it. Um, the one okay. who identified Melquist. Johnson. You and old Johnson Johnson. Johnson. Yeah. Me and Johnson, we, we go way back. Mm, that sounded inappropriate. Um, yeah. You and the old big Johnson. <laughs> please don't say big. Please never well. say big Johnson. Um, that's going to be the title of this episode uh, or not. Um, but there's also like Melquist, the guy who was convicted for Bonnie Lee Scott had ties to the chief investigator of the Grimes case who had ties to the mob. So it's just like, what is going on? Yeah. It's, it's fascinating in, in a true crime tragedy way. It's also just, you know, the big, good heart on their mom. I, I really want it to be solved just for her, even though she's, you know, long dead, may she rest in justice because she is, she seemed like she was a spitfire. So that is the story, the crazy story of the Grimes sisters. Yep. Maybe for my birthday, I'll raise a glass of tuna fish salad for the girls, for the Grimes sisters. Yeah. I think that was just an unnecessary add-in to be honest. It was in a lot of accounts. Also, what was in a lot of accounts was that Barbara didn't eat dinner because she'd had a big banana split before. Heck yeah, Barbara. I like Barbara. You had a She's... big banana split? What? <laughs> yeah, that was in like three or four articles. And I was like, but that, but it's probably what you said. It was like Loretta talking about like every detail she could remember. Yeah, that is pretty. Well, and this is going to sound pretty morbid, but usually in those cases they do have to know what the last thing they ate was yeah they have to try That's to identify body yeah. through autopsy, which is kind of morbid yeah bye sisters bye sisters